Hi everyone, I'm Kara Scott and welcome to The Heart of Poker, sponsored by 8 at 8 Poker, a podcast that looks at the heart and soul of the people we love to root for in our game. I use a modified list of the questions from the 36 Questions to Fall in Love study developed 25 years ago by psychologists as part of an experiment to see if they could make total strangers fall in love with a kind of shortcut for getting to know someone on a deeper level fast. My guest this time is a good friend and a colleague at the World Series of Poker broadcast, Lon McCarran is a sportscaster in the wider world, but for poker players and for those who love this game, he is the voice of the World Series of Poker alongside his longtime broadcasting partner, Norman Chad. So thank you so much for coming on, Lone. This is wow. so great to have you here. It's so much fun. And can I just start off by saying, I swear to God, as none, as many times as I've listened to your broadcasts, I thought that open was pre-recorded until you got to the name. You do that so well. Really? You know, I do it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I mean, you kind of have to say that because like I said you are a good friend (laughs) (laughs) but I do really appreciate it so for everyone who's listening who you know doesn't know this I'm I'm not sure how you'd be listening to this podcast and not know that Lon and I both work on the World Series of Poker and I came in you know, much farther after he and Norm and Chad had already been doing the the duo for the World Series of Poker and then I kind of came in as the first other person. And yeah. I was a little nervous coming in, I'll be honest, because I'd come into other shows before. I mean, high stakes poker for one. And I just got absolutely torn to bits before I had even like filmed a single scene on that because, you know, people like things the way they like things. And so I was nervous, I'll be honest. And then I came really? in and you and, yes, oh my gosh, I was so nervous. And you and Norman were so incredibly welcoming. Like you made me feel comfortable. I didn't have to worry about anything from the two of you. You guys actually just kind of gave me tips and you gave me help. And Uh, don't ruin our reputation. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are well known for being total hard asses in the world of broadcasting and poker, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh well no, we were so happy to have you. You were you were such a great ad and it was so weird. Um more for Norman than me because the first time I met you when you were playing in that year that you ran deep, you kind of blew me right. off. So I really didn't care. Uh, but then, <laughs> but Norman, you know, you were Kara Scott Chad for so long. And uh, then oh, uh, yeah. Norman told me it was a little uncomfortable now after that happened. And, uh-huh. and But then, you know, he actually went after Patrick Antonios too. So it wasn't like just a male <laughs> female thing. So uh, no, to have you, uh, it's such, such a bonus to have you on the show and, and it's so much yeah. better now. So I, and, uh, and one day you might be back to work with us, huh? Hey, here's hoping. I mean, <laughs> global events willing. Exactly. But it is uh, funny that you say that about Norman as well, because um, the fact that he did kind of make such a big deal of it really did get me airtime. And oh, yeah. It, it didn't do anything to harm my career, that's for sure. And then we became friends as well. And he introduced me mm-hmm. to his wife, and she and I have actually become like, incredibly good friends. Oh, Tony's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. Tony's Mm -hmm. amazing. And so she and I actually, you know, we message a lot. Um, so yeah, it's become this kind of funny little family group that we've got. And then, you know, lots of other really amazing, talented people have come in and that's been such a pleasure to see like you guys working with Jamie Kerstetter for me has always been just a pleasure to watch the three of you kind of do your thing together. I think it brings such a nice, like, new thing to the show it is yeah that's just nice and it keeps us fresh uh, as well and yeah. we become 
different broadcasters in a sense based on who's yeah. who's sitting there. So that's nice. And hopefully it's fresh for everybody at home. But you actually did blow me off the first time I met you. Just so did you I? Know. Oh yeah, no you were way. playing. You had that cute well, little British hat on, you know, with the bill <laughs> and the square top and oh, and man. so and but we knew we'd been, you know, you'd been running deep and we were shooting you and I knew we were shooting you and all like that. So I went over right. to introduce myself and, and it was kind of like, oh hi. You know, oh, so, no. oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I was probably too nervous. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, that was fun. It was yeah. fun. It was good fun. It was such a long time ago now. My right? Goodness. I don't I even know. want to think what year it was. I just think it's always oh, it's 10, 10 or so years. Every year it goes by. It's about 10 or so years. It's always 10 years. This. It's always yeah. going to be 10 years. That's it. <laughs> oh, man. All right. It's okay. the deal. So you have heard the podcast before because you're my friend and therefore you are contractually obliged to listen to it. So you know <laughs> that these questions can get weird and some of them can get a little personal and it's really just about, you know, answering to the level that you're comfortable with. And yeah, we're going to kind of start with the first set. It gets progressively more kind of personal as we go on. The first one, it's a pretty easy softball. It's just, uh, did you ever want to be famous when you were growing up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wanted to be a pro baseball player. And uh, I, you know, was a very good baseball player, good at all sports growing up. And that was my goal. Um, and my parents knew it. I promised this is, I mean, this is before huge salaries even were a draw. I just loved baseball and I wanted to be a pro baseball player. And I told my parents and to, to prove how much money players players were not making. I promised my parents <laughs> when I became a pro baseball player, I would give them $10,000 a year out of my salary. <laughs> yeah. So wow. they were all for it. Not that they helped me at all. But um, uh, yeah. And so then uh, that kind of went away and I and turned to broadcasting and I didn't get into it because I wanted to be famous. I just loved it. I found, I found mm -hmm. that that was my passion. So yeah, I kind of did want to become famous. And my dad was in broadcasting. My older brother was in broadcasting. So we were all hams. We had fun. Huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think it is about you, like your character or the way that you grew up that kind of has driven you towards success? Oh, uh, I, honestly, when I when I mentioned that my parents were no help in baseball, uh, it was true. <laughs> I was the youngest. I am the youngest of, of four kids. Uh, uh, luckily, all all still with us. Uh, mm -hmm. Parents are gone though. But um, I I a I learned later I was a mistake baby, um, oh. and and that my I must have been a good kid because my parents are kind of hands off in, in my upbringing, and oh. I wish they had done a little more. Uh, right. My mom is a school teacher. So I actually was in her class in second grade. And then I remained in the elementary school the rest of the time. And then she remained at that school for 25 or more years. And, uh, oh, wow. but, but they, uh, they just kind of said, you know, go off and, and do your thing. <laughs> right. And so I, I never had any guidance. And so I had to kind of do it on my <laughs> own. And that's kind of how my career was too. When I got into my first uh, TV job at a small station mm -hmm. in, in Southern California. And I had to do everything. I was, I was the, I called myself the sports director, but it, I was the only <laughs> person in the sports department. So, you know, I'm producing and, and shooting and editing and, and writing and, and right. putting makeup on and, and doing everything. Yeah. One, <laughs> one man band. So I guess it just, I, I had to find my way and I, I found a little niche on what I like to do in broadcasting. And, and luckily it, it 
was a good time to get away from the real standard form of broadcast. My, my dad uh, was actually a pioneer in radio and television. Um, and he uh, was just, when you think of radio announcer in the 60s and 50s, and that was my dad. Mm-hmm. He was just like, boom, 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 boom. You know, just straightforward newscaster type thing. And uh-huh. so that was, so I had to get away from that. I wanted to break that mold in our family because my brother was kind of the same way. And so uh-huh. I was I was the only one interested in sports. So it was a little more playful and I had more fun with it. And so um, that's how I do it today. Just got to have fun and do something a little different and make people smile. Right. So you're, you're like your broadcasting voice, even though obviously you have a different style from your dad, I guess that must be kind of where it comes from that sort of the tenor of your voice. Yeah, it's actually also I, I got teased for my voice. Uh, and I, I was yeah, I was um, in high school or something, we were doing some stuff. And I yeah, I got teased for my voice quite a bit. And so I th- think I went with more, I, I didn't change my voice. But I said things that I thought might move my career forward, and uh, mm. I did a good job with everything. And then my voice was kind of secondary. But then I've learned later on, after talking to some longtime broadcasters and just interviewing them, that it's just a physiological thing. Actually, after so many years slash decades, mm. um, you know, you, your vocal cords change; they get a little, you know. I don't know, scar tissue or something on them and your voice changes, you know, and you learn how to do it properly. You learn how to breathe and talk. So it all comes together. And, and I, yeah, people don't know me uh, if I'm playing poker or playing golf until I say something and I go, Oh, I knew I said it like, yeah, exactly. So I guess it's, yeah, you're, I'm truly a voice of poker. (laughs) Yeah, no, I completely would agree. When I first did the um, the Super High Roller Bowl, I was very lucky to be able to be kind of the first chair voice for that, for the very first season. And, and it was so much fun, but I was a little nervous because, I mean, I'd done that sort of thing in Europe before, in England. I'd been working for years, obviously, in poker broadcasting, but this was the first kind of big thing that I was going to be doing in that particular role, which is the Lon McCarran role. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I actually, And I had the temerity I, to give you some tips there. You did great, I, but I, I remember writing you a couple of things. You, hey, try this, I try this. Them. I but, tried them. Uh, I, know. <laughs> I was really grateful. I actually listened to some of your broadcasts, like, and took notes, and I, I properly did because I was like, I want to make sure that like I do this properly, and I do this also in kind of an American, a North American way, rather than doing it kind of as we'd always done it in Europe, mm. which is way more on like a shoestring budget and just kind mm-hmm. of a little more ad hoc, to be honest. Oh, so Especially you'll be at home with this year's budget then? Good. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, no, you were. It, it was it was great, and the and the the funny thing about that, and it's kind of the the one of the biggest moments of if I'm going to feel pressure is is mm. Norman and I were we were making it up as we went along the first yeah. few years. It's like, how do we do this? And we had a lot of help from the producers of Four for One production right. we worked with originally um but we're all making it up as, as we go yeah. along and and we got little notes from pros you know and terminology you know nomenclature right. type yep. things but but in terms of how to announce it um you know i guess it worked i mean if you're if you're in there trying to follow us so i'll, I'll take that as a tip of the hat thank you <laughs> well damn right um, <laughs> okay let's get a little bit more personal now let's see okay 
So what do you want the most out of your life? Not a small question. You know, what would make wow. you think kind of, yes, I've done this at the end of it? You like really feel like you've accomplished what you wanted to do? Ah, uh, uh, <laughs> wow. It's that, a big one, I know. Second question? <laughs> I thought <laughs> we were going to go in hometown or something. You know, <laughs> I memorized that. Uh, no, I, it's, and it, thinking about it, it's amazing how, uh, that answer evolves through our lives. Mm. Um, and at, at first, as I mentioned, wanted to be a, a baseball player. So I guess for me early on, it was like, make the team, um, get the girl, get the job, get a nice house, mm-hmm. you know, yada, 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 things like that. And, um, it, it does change as I change. I think I just would like to, um, have left a good impression impression with my my loved ones and my friends yeah. and hope that I, I could have fed them well and entertained people through uh, my career and maybe advance the craft um, mm. somewhat. And so this is like, what would be on your, your tombstone type question? Right? Um, yeah. Um, and, and with the kids, I just, that's the thing. I got two kids that I just, you know, love to death. We've become much mm. closer in the last few years and, and, uh, we've shared some beautiful experiences. And so, um, I think I just want to hope that they're happy. Uh, and, um, I love being, you know, being with them. And I think that the balance is spending the proper amount of time with the kids, mm-hmm. which is just enough to get invited back and not enough to get picked <laughs> out. So, um, yeah, it, it all comes down to, I think, who we are, how people regard us uh, and not, you know, where you live or what you drive. And that's how right. things change, I think. Yeah. Huh. Well, for what in your life do you feel the most grateful at this point? <sighs> um. Yeah, the, the experiences I think you know that I, I was able to um, to make it. Uh, mm. You know, I didn't make it as, as a baseball player, but I, I had a, a goal once I got into college, past baseball, um, that I wanted to be a broadcaster, and there was really nothing else for me. And um, grateful that I, uh, you know, I did hundreds of shows for for ESPN before poker caught on. Um, and even before poker caught on, I was doing hundreds of shows for, for various little sports networks. And, um, and then I had to leave broadcasting for a few years. Uh, just all the work went away and nothing was coming in at that time. And I gave it up and, and then it it came back. So Mm. I guess, you know, Sting was right. You know, if it's just set it free, you know, (laughs) if you love something, set it free and it'll come back. Uh, so. What did it feel like when it came back? Like, were you, oh, wow. did you have like some trepidation? Like, oh, do I want to do this again? Mm-hmm. I've just kind of uh, done this whole other thing. Yeah. At first it was, uh, you know, cause I, I got out of, actually broadcasting got out of me, <laughs> kicked me out. <laughs> um, and then I, I got a job in probably what sounds like the most mundane thing in the world was working for a bank and which actually mm. I really enjoyed doing. I was doing mortgages. It was a great time to do mortgages. So the income was, was coming in and they were really good to me. The bank was when they figured out that maybe my TV job was coming back. Right. And so, uh, I, yeah, I was worried about, about hurting the people who had helped me so much at that point at the bank mm. and actually did, uh, both 
uh, the first few years of poker uh, while I was working at the bank. So I was double dipping. Wow. I had two jobs. I was on the air uh, the first few years and working as a mortgage lender just Ooh. to make sure, I guess, that one of them's going <laughs> to hang on. So uh, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty. And, and actually, the bank didn't know I was doing it for a while. Uh, oh and I, we, I, was, uh, I live in the West Coast and we were working in, in uh, New York and I would fly to new york late friday night and we'd work um over the weekend and then i would Ooh. fly home on the first flight out of jfk and i'd be able to be in the office at 10 a.m monday morning nobody the wiser oh. and uh then somebody on the airplane decided to have uh appendicitis attack over denver and we had to <laughs> oh, no. stop in denver and that blew my whole cover so <laughs> I, I didn't make it to the office that day so yeah just just that i set out to do something and and have a career and and actually went to school for it and um and now i'm talking with you huh that's such an interesting path. I mean, for me, it took me a lot kind of later in life to get into broadcasting than most people would. I, you know, I was like well into my 30s basically when doing that. And it's always felt like kind of a second, almost a second adolescence because my most of my broadcasting career, I started in sports as well, but that was only a couple of years and then it was just all poker. And I kind of felt like, yeah, like it's almost like a second adolescence being able to go to the World Series and and, you know, play all over the world and do all of those really interesting things that I kind of hadn't expected at that point in my life. So, Do you find, uh, I don't want to turn the tables on you here, but did you, mm. did you just find it was, it was freeing? Did you feel younger when you're out there because it was all brand new to you and, and having fun? Yeah, I did. But I think because I'd gone into teaching and I was working in London as a teacher as kind of my first real career when I, I got out of university. And that was a really tough job. I worked in really hard schools and it was just kind of brutally stressful in so oh, many wow. ways. And so to yeah. be able to go from that to something that was so freeing, to be able to be you know up all night playing poker and then going to these fantastic venues and to these great parties and meeting super interesting people and not having to be on an eight to five schedule mm -hmm. kind of for the rest of my life, it felt... It felt really good. It really did. And I don't think I could have gone back to teaching after I, I left. Oh, no. No, I, and I agree. And I, I, I couldn't go back to a real job either. But yeah. I, I do have to just say, you know, because I mentioned my mom's the teacher that I bow down mm. to you guys. I mean, it's <laughs> so, such a noble, tough uh, profession that you don't get Oof. thanks right away. And maybe it comes later. But maybe uh, thank you. I, thank you. Well, I didn't stick it out. So <laughs> I'm not sure I deserve that. Although I do not anymore. But when I lived in England still, I used to see old students that I would bump into. Oh, um, yeah. And that was really cool. Like, because they had grown up. So, you know, I could kind of picture them in my head as these 12 year olds. And all of a sudden they were like these tall, grown up people with real jobs. And, and that was kind of a trip. <laughs> we had, a, we had. A, I'm laughing. It's been so long ago when my mom died, but um, we had a problem uh, with this, the local city ordinances about something with I don't know if it's a death certificate or the cremation or something for mom. Anyway, my brother went to the the city office and the guy was there, kind of looking at it, and he went, "Oh, McCarran, 
your mom was my teacher. Uh, we'll get no. this done right away. <laughs> so oh, yeah, that's pretty funny. Oh man, yeah, teachers leave an impression, man. They, oh, they definitely yeah. do. Mine, mine certainly did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, okay. moving on from that, is there anything that you've dreamed about doing for a long time and haven't done, and why not? Oh, um, I think one of the, you know, again, like you, I've, I've, it is a sportscaster. I've traveled a lot. And, mm-hmm. um, so a lot of my wants to do are real first world issues. And then the one is that I almost had completed, I wanted to visit all the continents and mm-hmm. then COVID came and shut things down. So, um, yeah. hoping in the next few years, you know, I've got two to go. I was supposed to go to Africa right, uh, when COVID started and, uh, and now my brother, we were going to, then we were going to go to Antarctica together and mm-hmm. now he's going without me. But oh. I haven't, I haven't been to Africa yet. So I don't, I don't know. Anyway. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I guess just, um, yeah, the travel thing. I, I want to keep, you know, keep on keeping on. And I, I don't feel I'm lacking anything. I've been really lucky uh, growing up. It was just a, you know, neighborhood, you know, middle class, no real strife or anything. Of course, I raised myself, but <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't, uh, yeah, there's nothing like, oh, I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd done that. I feel, uh, you know, that. Uh, especially in the in the past six years or so, uh, six years ago, I lost my wife to cancer, as you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, I kind of had to reinvent myself, and uh, I was I was doing a really good job of it, and um, yeah. I want to get back to that, and I don't have any specific plans, but it's um, it's like. Uh, my best friend growing up from high school lives near me uh, once again, and and he just retired, and I've got a lot of time during the year, and so I think it's maybe to you know fulfill some promises we made to ourselves early on, and, and just uh, yeah. get out and, and have fun and, and and enjoy what we have. Hmm. So yeah, it's a non-answer I, answer. <laughs> no, it's that's the perfect answer for this podcast is the non-answer oh, answer. Um, it's like kind of talking about grief though. I have something that I found in my own life is that grief has a way of kind of very much distilling, you know, what's important, obviously. Mm. Um, and also just kind of throwing you into paths that you may not have done otherwise. I just, and that's you know, true? grief is a, a massive change. It is. And it's like a, and I found myself uh, feeling or seeing that path because of it. Um, It, it, it does in a very selfish way and, and certainly not to, you know, besmirch those who have gone before us, but it was freeing in a sense. I mean, and it, it has freed me to have a relationship with my two kids that I, I never saw coming. And it has been the most wonderful thing um, that we've been able to, I'm kind of in business with my my daughter who uh, runs mm. a, uh, an Airbnb. She lives in a, in a house in New Orleans that I own and she it's a big house and got several units and she runs as, as an Airbnb and she and her wow. husband live in it. And so it's, it's a different type of connection that we have but mm-hmm. um, it also enables the the real 
personal side uh, to grow as well. And same thing with yeah. my son who lives in Southern California and um, being, you know, my wife was always the one in touch with the kids and texting right. the kids and I was off working and, and I was a great dad and, and we had a lot of fun. But now that I see the depth of uh, a type of relationship that we could have and that we are having, it, it is just, it's so, um, uh, warming to me and it's fulfilling to me and it's i feel guilty to say that you know my wife had to die for me to have this you know relationship so uh it's it's hurtful it, it, but you know throw the reason out the window and we have this relationship and i just i yeah. love it I, I couldn't be happier yeah well, I'm glad. I know whenever we talk personally, you're always talking about how much you love your kids. And, and I know, you know, we were friends at the time when you were going through that as well. And having someone who is such a, an enormous part of your life and has been for so very, very long, having that go, it really does kind of change you know, everything about yourself. You were kind of, we, we, I should say, we get kind of set. We get set in different roles. We get set in different ways of being because we have that other person there who kind of, you know, holds up the other side of things for us. And so then you're just kind of lost and you either find yourself or you don't. And that's where you, you know, you found yourself. Well, thank you. Uh, exactly. And the way you said it, uh, as far as distilling, it, it does strip away a lot. You find a lot of stuff uh, and it's baggage, you know, and, and right. you, you strip that away and you discover more about yourself and, and what you want to do. And, uh, I found myself, you know, it's just like giving the big F you to a lot of things that I would, you know, right. kind of pay attention to before, but no, this yeah. is, this is my world. Uh, and it's weird, Kara, after she, she died, I, um, uh, sorry, I was, I, uh, I wasn't afraid to die. Right. <laughs> I I think I had yeah. been before, um, yeah. but watching it happen up close over a long period of time, right. um, and then helping her uh, die basically, yeah. uh, it it was uh, it was an amazing experience, and um, it was like I I have a path, I and. Uh, I, I'm going to take it and the yeah. rest of you can, can go blow, you know, <laughs> uh, but I've been, I, I think what I'm doing, you know, is something she'd be proud of. It's, it's what I'm proud yeah. of and what I'm still rediscovering and discovering about myself and, and, and the future. And I'm, I'm really excited mm -hmm. uh, about the coming years, even though I have no idea <laughs> what's in store. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of hard to imagine what they're going to look like. So, Yeah. Okay, well, looking back for for now, what is one of your most treasured memories? Do you have kind of that happy place in your head for maybe when you were a kid or at, at really at any point that is that treasured memory for you? Oh, I don't, I, I don't go back that much mm -hmm. and, and look, but uh, but um, two things jump out uh, at me, and one. Um, and I hope my son's not listening, but it was when, so all, everybody in my family has boys and they all have sons. And, uh, we, uh, my, we already had our son because we have sons. And then, uh, six years later, um, giving birth to another child and we, uh, never 
learned what the sex of the child was. And so, but my wife wanted a daughter, wanted, oh my God, just, you know, (laughs) she was, she was, you know, going to be great if she had a daughter. And I was able, when we, the second we knew it, and I was able to tell her that, uh, and the look on her face of, of unbelief, shock, joy, all those things mixed together, uh, was, uh, was a beautiful thing. And so I, when, when you ask that question, that just kind of came to the front and, uh, it was, it was a beautiful moment. It was really nice, uh, to, to have that and share that and, 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 you know, nobody can take that away. And then, um, from a professional standpoint, um, you know, I told you, broadcasting kind of kicked me out of its family for a few years and then, uh, got back into poker, uh, or broadcasting with poker. And, you know, at the beginning we did, I think six shows or so. And that was one of the reasons I stayed with the bank is because we had to support ourselves the other, you know, 10 months of the year, even though the show ran 1500 times, I only did six shows, so I still need to work. Um, so it kind of struggled still, even though poker was starting to get big. And I had a contract with ESPN. And so we knew kind of, you know, we had this at least, and I'll try to find some other work. And uh, I got called to, to breakfast by a producer from ESPN in New York one morning. And he uh, and he looked at me and says, this is really happy with the way things are going. And I still think it's a dream. But he said, you know what? We're going to tear up your current contract and we're going to pay you. I don't know what, like four times more than I'd been getting. And we're going to make it for the next uh, three or four years long. It's like everything that I had dreamed about. And when I got into broadcasting um, came true right at that moment. And I couldn't wait to get off the phone and and call home and we were all crying. And like, so it was, it was a beautiful thing. (laughs) It was nice. It was great to have that validation. Yeah. No kidding. And then say goodbye to the bank job. As much fun as I'm sure you had. That was a thing. I, I couldn't, we were doing 45 shows a year at that point. I just couldn't take oh, care of my, my customers. So yeah, yeah those are the days. Sure. Wow. 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 That was cool. That was cool. No kidding. Okay. Here's one that, I mean, you don't have to think about me in it, but um, what do you value most <laughs> in the friendship? <laughs> what does friendship mean to you? You know, hypothetically speaking. <laughs> oh, wow. Long, dark brown hair, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting too. I, I think I do think about that a lot. And I, I've never been one to have a, a lot of close friends and, but the close friends I have and the very few are, are really tight and long lasting. And so it's, it's, I, I think it, what's valuable for me in a friendship, uh, is unconditional and fill in the blank, you know, whether it's love mm. or, or trust, um, or whatever, but, mm-hmm. uh, and it's really great having, uh, history uh, with these people and and the past is uh, always there. We don't always talk about it. Uh, and even though we had great experiences, if we do talk about them, they're probably exaggerated right now. <laughs> um, but and it's to, it's just to know what uh, little things, you know, what they eat and what they drink, uh, making right. plans to to make more exaggerated experiences. Um, <laughs> and also being at, at peace with someone, not having to 
always talk, carry on a conversation, have to do mm-hmm. something. It just uh, being exposed to them, being yourself uh, around this person or people, and um, being being vulnerable. You know, and I guess I, I guess yeah. that's a big big part of love and friendship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And when you talk about kind of that shared history too, something that I've really found myself as I get older, I mean, I left Canada um, in the late 90s and I've never moved back to live there, although I go back and I visit my family and I do still have some friends there, but not many. So for the most part, I don't really tend to have a lot of people that kind of go past the poker years for me. You know, mm. I still am in touch with a couple of friends that I had before I went into broadcasting and poker from like my teaching days. But it's kind of a weird feeling like to not have people that know you in that sort of with that depth, you know, like to have that historical knowledge of, you know, what you were like around your family as a kid and, and that kind of thing. And I, I'm always a little bit jealous really of people who have these long-standing friendships with people that they grew up with. And that's something that I definitely want my own child to have. I want her to have that feeling of connectedness. But is that something that you have with some of your, like your older friends? Oh yeah, I do. Um, and I'm trying to think how many there are. There's probably one, maybe, maybe two, but one real mm-hmm. super close friend who, who, um, like, like I said, since we were freshmen in high school, um, nice. and to have that you know, you, you can speak volumes, just kind of look at each other. If there's a right. third party involved, you know, kind of <laughs> <laughs> little eye roll or something like that. But um, yeah, I, I think to, I mean, I'm not a Facebook guy and I know people who just have tons and tons of Facebook friends and all like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, I don't know. I would, I would choose quality over quantity. Um, and the people that we grew up with, uh, you know, I had some really, really close friends as a kid because, you know, there, there were probably most, I shouldn't say most, but there was a a large number of people who graduated high school with me who are in my kindergarten picture. It was kind of a small, small area. And so, uh, you can't help it, you know, become close to them and just know everything right. about them. And, and, um, so, but, and then to f- move away and fall away from, from all of that. Um, I think it's just natural and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I've been back to a reunion or so here and there and it's like, Love you. how's I've it going? You know, <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Never. I'd love I don't know, to, but it's very far uh, away. So, yeah, it is. And it's mostly comes down to what do they look like now? God, they look right. terrible. She's right? still hot. Like, you know, she's still so hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all look so old now. Like, yeah. It's a weird thing. Yeah. I, I just, uh, you know, the people who are still uh, my best friends um, are for a reason. And they've been there through thick and thin and, and, and yeah. unselfish and trustworthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love them. Nice. So what's your biggest fear? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I, 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 
I live alone. I work on a ladder a lot around the house, and I'd be fall, <laughs> falling off oh, the damn. ladder, not having one, one of those little buttons, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I fall, yeah. I can't get up. Um, <laughs> yeah, different different fears as you get older. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that I'm forced to move in with my kids at some point. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. No, I, uh, or they can't find my my crypto wallet secret code when I die. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> to bring it to current oh, times but uh, not being able to say goodbye for the last time to, to someone yeah. um those, those kind of things i i i have i mean again uh, i my wants and needs and and fears and desires uh to use your word have been distilled where mm. um it is what it is you know uh and you and i have talked you know like are the Zen moments that we have to have in, in, in tough times and, and day to day life. And, um, I, yeah, again, I think the biggest fear would be dying and I don't fear dying anymore. And, um, I'm happy with, uh, what's going on. So I, I feel pretty lucky. I don't wake up with any fears other than, you know, why is that dry rot happening on that post that I have to stand under right. all the time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I gave myself a little bit of the fear that I never kind of used to have by having a child in my forties. So now I have this tiny person who's dependent on me. And so that just comes with like just a suitcase full of fears, like just the most fears ever, like a train full. So for me, I kind of went from not really having, except for dentists, I mean, but that's normal because they're terrifying. Um, <laughs> aside from that, I didn't really have any fears. Oh, also no. dying in an avalanche, but I'm from Canada, so it's an actual thing that could happen. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> now, with kids coming, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're fearful for them. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, I, I'm not fearful for anything particular in myself, but yeah, I, I'm scared. Does it that, go away uh, when they get older? No. No, oh, it's, it, it changes. Really it, it, no, no. I mean, it does change and, and oh. they're more on their own. So you can take that off your shoulders. But right. um, I've had two incidents in the last year where uh, I have a hurricane passed over my daughter in New yeah. Orleans and, yeah. you know, and she's staying in the house. It's like, what are you doing? So, yeah, it's mm. very scary. And tornadoes now they're having down there. So, yeah, tornado, hurricane season just firing up pretty soon. So, yeah, these few months are a little tough because it's where she yeah. is. So those kind of fears you'll have, yeah. Okay, so that doesn't go away. Good to know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Live with it. Changes. Right. Um, so when did you last cry in front of another person or by yourself? Oh, um, well, I did just a minute ago, and uh, <laughs> it was uh, I cried. Uh, actually, talking to my daughter when the hurricane was going over, we were zooming, right. and um, this might answer one of your other questions I've heard you give. But so I I, I got uh, on a Zoom call with her, and I know she was really scared, and I could see mm. she and her husband sitting there, and. Uh, she looked fearful. And so, um, I played a song for them on the guitar, uh, called, uh, it's something to do with hurricanes. It's a told Jimmy Buffett song. Um, and, 
so it was all about the Gulf Stream and, and Big Storm coming. And yeah, it was tough to get through it. And she was crying and I was crying. <laughs> it's oh. like, oh, this is not the last time we see each other. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So, mm. uh, yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a, a pretty good crier. I'm a pretty good crier, actually. Good for you. Yeah. I, uh, you can like a good cry. You, sometimes you just got to get it out. I tell my, it, you know, yeah. my three-year-old that it's important. There's nothing wrong with crying. Sometimes you just need to cry to feel better, too. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be long. You know, I mean, no. I for some reason, I have this thing with, um, it's it's, and it's not, it's with large crowds and it, I don't have to be part of it. I could watch it on TV. Uh, mm. A lot of times it's been a sports related or, or something. Um, but uh, I just get when, when there's all of these people um, and I, I think it, it's what, what it is some, the vibe or something that when all these people are sharing the same emotion and same vibe, there's something super powerful about that. And mm. And I and it just gets to me, and um, to have somebody having a great moment in the spotlight, uh, and they're sharing it with thousands of people like that, and to have this whole uh, cacophony of of sound mm-hmm. happening, and it's all geared toward a single. I don't know. It just kind of gets me. That's kind of nice. Yeah. And and I think I think it's it's something to be said for you know large swaths of people sharing yeah. a value, sharing a thought at the same time. Uh, that you know it can move individuals, uh, and maybe it can you know move move other things as well. Who knows? Yeah. It's funny because in a in a less impactful way, in a less kind of important way for me going to music festivals when I was living in England was it felt like that it kind of felt like being part of something and there was that music that kind of binds everyone together and I don't know were you ever a music festival person oh yeah oh we we had uh grown up uh, in the bay area Uh, we had uh, days on the green Bill Graham's first outdoor concert series and all like that where um i remember uh, it was at the oakland coliseum they had the they had the oakland coliseum outdoor baseball arena uh, coliseum and then right on the same parking lot was the indoor nba basketball arena and um, my girlfriend and i had gone to a concert friday night at the indoor arena my parents were out of town and so i'm still in high school so i had my dad's car and we had this plan because we were going to the nighttime concert uh on friday and then saturday day on the green uh was at the same parking lot so we thought all right so We'll just stay in the parking lot overnight and sleep in the car and we'll have a great Ah. parking place for the, (laughs) and like a, you know, you get like eight minutes of sleep overnight sleeping in a car, (laughs) but somebody managed to to wake me up banging on the window. Security guard says, you got to leave the parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a good plan, but, uh, oh yeah, we, we would, it was always like, what, where are you going to now? What's a concert? And so uh, I love, oh, nice. yeah, I love concerts back then. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, one more question here. If okay. a crystal ball could tell you the truth about absolutely anything like your life or uh, the future or something that's already happened that you might want to know, are there any kind of secrets out there that you just have to have the answer to? Ah, uh, wow. Um, you know, I, I've, I don't, not that I know of, I, I, I think looking, if you know the past, I think it just fosters regret. Mm. 
um, to know what, oh, what could have been. Uh, yeah. But I guess I go the other way too. You know, it's like, wow, I made, I dodged a bullet <laughs> there. Um, uh, and then uh, knowing the future, um, doesn't it, wouldn't it change the present, which the, would change the future? What about a duck? Ah, you know. (laughs) So, uh, again, right now in my life, it comes down uh, to my kids. And I'd love to know if they're going to be okay after I'm gone. And and I've done done planning for them to help them, uh, you know, and leave stuff for them. But... Just maybe a little assurance that they're going to be okay when when I'm mm-hmm. out of the picture. Not that I could do anything. To, I mean, you know, they call and I help and here and there. But um, it'd be nice just to have that peace of mind, I think. Yeah. I think that's probably what mine would be now as well. Just because otherwise there's nothing really that feels like if you knew it, it would make your life better. Because like you said, I if agree. it's happened in the past, then it's already happened. You literally can't do anything or change anything except for how you feel about it. So... You know, maybe I think there's a lot of stuff we're not supposed to know. <laughs> oh, yeah. They belong to other people, like, you know, what other people think of us or what happened in this certain situation. I think that stuff. I don't know. <laughs> and luckily, we have Twitter to let people tell us what they think of us. <laughs> anyway, oh, yeah. you were going to go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is so true. Like, man, I've totally pulled back from social media over the last couple of years because, I mean, the world has just been kind of a mess with the pandemic and, and, you know, we were kind of stuck in Italy in this very strange situation, not being able to kind of come out of isolation the same way everyone else was. So for me, I was just like, yeah, I just can't cope with like people trash talking on the internet because like life is you just pull, I did notice, extreme. Uh, I noticed you pull back. I pulled back from the politics after our last presidential election, uh, almost mm, 100%. Right. But I do know when you good on social media you you bring it and and i was going to mention that about you know you're being your a teacher and and you have such a, a caring way about you and and the mm-hmm. world and and um you know what's right for people and what's right for society i i really trust your instincts on that and it's nice to yeah. see and and i think there's a lot of people that feel the same way um and yeah, we're we're gonna get bashed over everything, but I what yeah. I see from your social media, it's 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 being used for nicest instead of evil. So way to go! Oh, thanks, I appreciate that. I think that is like for me, if I had a a like, if I thought about life as having a purpose, and I'm not sure it does. I, I'm really not sure it has any particular mm-hmm. purpose. Although I, I think as humans, we like to imagine it does because we need to feel important or like there's some kind of plan. But <laughs> <laughs> but we're not, and there's not. But and that's yeah. the <laughs> but for me, yeah. like the one thing that I feel strongly about is in life, we should enjoy ourselves and make it better for other people. And those two things, like if you can't, if you, if you can't, if you have to enjoy yourself by making things worse for other people, then that completely, it's a fail in my mind. It's an absolute fail. Like you should be able to lift up the kind of the people who have less power than you. And that's incredibly important. And if you can't enjoy yourself without doing that, I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know, for me, nice. that's just yeah. a, a problem with, you know, where we are in I the do world. think a lot of, I think a lot of the negativity, um, 
on social media is kind of like driving uh, with tinted windows where you can be really <laughs> nasty, you know, when you change lanes. But if you're in a convertible, uh, you're not going to do that, you know, right. people can see you. Uh, so it, it, it has yeah. a lot to do with trying to make yourself feel more important uh, by mm. riling up and poking the bear over here so uh but i I think if we all had to live in the same room uh it might be a different world (laughs) i don't think i could live in the same room as anybody well no (laughs) not even a single other person right now (laughs) my child i have to live with her bless her heart but yeah (laughs) gotcha gotcha there we go So that was our last question. Um, we've done our 45 minutes. And really? Thank you so oh. much. I know. It does go uh, fast. Yeah. It was really Yay. fast. Thank you. So was thank that you. okay? I mean, uh, thank you for coming yeah. on and opening up. It felt like. It was nice. No, it, it was, um, you know. I don't have a therapist, so <laughs> you can play one on TV. <laughs> no, but I, uh, no, it's nice. I mean, you, your questions made, made me think about things I hadn't thought of for a long time and oh, kind of put things in order on, uh, you, you kind of have to reassess once in a while. And this kind of felt yeah. like a reassessment. So thank you. Oh, I'm glad. And you're welcome. And I mean, we normally have pretty in-depth conversations, but we don't normally have a lot of people listening. So I appreciate you being <laughs> right. to do it this way. <laughs> I'm always on speakerphone. You're always on speakerphone over here. So oh, there's a lot damn. of people listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I have to rethink this. Um, well, I guess you and I are going to be seeing each other in Vegas this summer, and I'm really happy Yay. for that. That'll and be nice. Yeah, it really will be nice to see each other in person again. It's been far too long. And Norman as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I love Norman. Yeah, too. well, I visited you a couple of times. I don't remember I you know. coming and visiting me. It's all right. I no. have not. It is true. But I have a, I have no. a three-year-old. So you are. my excuse until she's out of high school. You had now. a one-year-old and a two-year-old. Now you're saying you have a three and a four-year-old. What is it? Exactly. What is it, Kara? <laughs> I know. It's always changing the goalposts with me. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> nice. No, it's always great to all see her. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And to everyone at home, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And I hope you feel like you know the person behind the cards and the voice even better now. So join me next time on The Heart of Poker, sponsored by 888 Poker. 